everybody, and welcome to a Speshy Weshy Wild Ride with Steve-O. I was excited about this one because I knew this one was coming out on the day that my bucket list special is available worldwide. And if you're consuming this podcast on that day, then it premieres at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and... Anybody who uh, who buys it gets it for 30 days full time. Watch it as much as you want. And man, you're going to want to because it is insane. I actually inundated Mr. Chris DiStefano with the first six minutes of my special. And the first six minutes has Dick Painting 2.0. Like where the most aggressive reimagination of dick painting ever and let me tell you the whole special is aggressive so enjoy this podcast chris stefano is fantastic he's a likable guy and man he's got crazy crazy stories so enjoy this and then get ready to enjoy the bucket list unless you got to this late and you can watch the bucket list right now man what an exciting time and let's get into it hell yeah dude I like this. That was this is the best first six minutes of ever meeting anyone. Yeah, but you <laughs> sick, man. Yeah. Dude, yeah, painted dick, balls, um, his toes, helicopters. Um, I like. Yeah, I, 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 you know what it is with specials like nowadays because so many people have them that you have to be so radically different. And I've never seen even an intro like that, let alone someone's painted dick and balls in the first few minutes so i think it's i think it's uh it's great we got a hit on our hands you have to yeah yeah Yeah. that is a hit yeah because i i would have easily if you would have said you're gonna have me on i swear to god we're gonna watch this 60 minutes it was at 60 minutes minutes, and then that was the show and i went i would feel i would feel happy with that i mean dude i would love to have kept you and inundated you with the whole thing um oh wow we got these wild ride that's sick i like Um, it you know, I, I I would. I'm just like I'm I'm fiercely proud and and um, I'll I'll t- tell you in uh, in a second. I'm gonna do our, our our intro here. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris DiStefano. Hello. DiStefi Weffy. DiStefi Weffy. I uh, I like it, man. I like uh, this. This is great. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy to. I'm happy to see it, man. And I knew yeah. that you were gonna be like pretty good dick size soft. How about that? You Good. Can, now, now, what you're referring to, I just sat you down. You walked into the van. We met for the first time. Yeah. First thing I told you is I'm going to inundate you with the first seven minutes of my new comedy special. Yep. That is because I'm so confident that my audience is going to love you, that, 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 that having you on the podcast is such a win that I've, I've blocked you to come out when my special comes wow. out. Wow. I think that, actually the exact oh, well, that's same cool. That's day. an honor. That's the it. Day. I appreciate it. That's an so honor. Hopefully, uh, you know, like the media news finds some like old tweets of mine and I, I'm even like, you know, like I'm getting canceled as this is happening <laughs> yeah. and really exploded for you. And and I'll, my demise and your eruption. Are you going to have mean, a dude, link? I, I love it. I'm Dude, November 14th is today. As yes. I understand it. That is the release date. You can go to stevo.com and watch the filthiest multimedia presentation ever. Amazing, dude. It looks good, and you have great teeth. Thanks, bro. Yeah. 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 If, if you were to get that uh, like a rating, would that be an X? It's full-on pornography. So, uh, yeah. 
You know that, that thing I described in the beginning? Yes. Oh, it happens. Really? It happens. I love it. And full, you'll see it oh, on yeah. camera. Good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we need to be thrilled, you know, like now. Like, uh, what, am we, what are you going to do? Like, just watch us tell jokes for 60 minutes? And then even the greats like Chappelle, it's just, it's too much. It, you you, you, you got to do something different. And with you, the skyjacking, I think, is something that people will follow in your footsteps after that. You're a pioneer. <laughs> Right. Well, thanks, man. Yes. Thanks. I, I, I believe. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to do that. Ever. I do. You know. I do. I think that it's a new thing, and I don't know, man. You might inspire me to go down to Brea tonight and just fucking, get, dude. I, I might give the front row ponchos. Although I can't. I haven't been shooting ropes lately. I think I have a bit of a swollen prostate, so I've just been dribbling. So I guess I'll just Ooh. shoot it off my sneakers. You would wow. know that because you're a doctor. Yeah, well, doctorate degree in physical physical uh, therapy, physical therapy. So, um, yeah, that's my education. But I mean, I'm I'm not even I haven't practiced in ten years. But I did get my license reinstated um, during the pandemic, so I'm good, dude. I, I heard you say that you spent nine years uh, in medical training or medical school. No, no, no. I I went to college and then four years of graduate program right. and then a year and a half of like a residency program okay, so, so nine yeah. years of post high school shit but, oh yeah no i went to school consistently from the time i was five till 27 there every single year i was in school and you All did right. the residency where you go in and actually yep yeah in new york yeah um for, phys for physical therapy not like an actual doctor not like an er no 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 physical therapy massaging elbows i'm good at that what made you choose that profession I wanted to not ever work in like a cubicle or mm -hmm. anything like that. I never want to be like a person in like a sea of cubicles. And my, you know, my mom like never liked her job. And I would, you know, single mom, I would hear her hating her job all the time. She'd be like, I just sit in this cubicle. I hate it, you know? And I was like, all right, I don't want to do that. So then I wanted to work with kids. So I became a pediatric physical therapist. And, um, and then I started comedy in my first year of physical therapy school. So, or last year of physical therapy school. So I quickly, you know, I was only a physical therapist for like two, three years. But that initially was, I was like, I want to, because, uh, you know, you work with adults and then they, they're not grateful at all. Like, you'll, you know, like they just, you know, they take for granted because we get like, you know, we get older and we get, we forget like to have to be gratuitous to things. And then, but when you work with kids, especially disabled kids, I mean, dude, their families, I mean, all these kids, they're all in wheelchairs. They have cerebral palsy and this and that. And just to get them to like stand up or take a step, it's like a monumental task. And I'm like, that. this feels better than, you know, massaging someone's pinky and then them, you know, calling me a piece of shit because I messed one fucking thing up, you know? Yeah, dude, it's so interesting because um, the, the one human who I've known for the longest time, my buddy Abdullah, mm -hmm. we've known each other since we were nine years old. We graduated high school together. Um, I went on to do what I went on to do, but Abdullah went to Brown University, graduated with a 4.0, went on to Cornell Medical School, mm -hmm. then became a pediatric surgeon at the Mayo Clinic, and Sick. has since developed methods of uh, operating on unborn babies in the womb and 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 his whole rationality is the same thing he d does not want to work on adults he like the, he's almost disgusted by it. maybe i'm putting those words in his mouth but yeah. I, I he's disgusted with adults and only wants to help children because mm. they have innocence yeah he, he was saying that like he goes into the womb he opens up you know all the the amniotic sac and then does an operation on the baby's fetus's spine 
fuses it together, sews the baby up, and then sews the sack back. And look at all that. Look at that. All that genius, all that smart, and, and he's just known as Steve-O's friend. <laughs> Abdullah. 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 We should Steve. get him on the podcast. I yeah. Think he's, he's the best, man. He's absolutely the best. And I want to take a moment to be serious and say that I think you're the best, dude. Whoa. I, like, I, I really, like, like we, we, we don't know each other. Did, did we ever do comedy, like, in the in the round together during the pandemic? Right? No, maybe once or twice, but never, we never spoke. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I think what, what, uh, forget who who reached out to who sooner but i think you hit me up but dude i saw that clip of uh you and bert where you're so emotional about huh. how <laughs> you know you probably hear about it all the time but i mean dude like it's just man i fell, fell in love with you on that oh thanks yeah that and that wasn't you know some people like after that clip came out they were like oh you staged that i was like no i re me and bert were having a great time talking about just comedy and then i don't know what the hell happened but we started talking about our kids and then i started to have like this epiphany live on his show about like how much time i'm missing in my kids life yeah. to pursue this and i'm like well, i don't want to do that and, you know, right. The way that the clip yeah. played out, you yeah. said you said to Bert, you know, dude, I'm killing it. I'm, you know, comedy's going so well. I'm touring. I'm making tons of money, but at the cost of not seeing my kids grow up. You said that I'm watching my daughters grow up through a Zoom. iPhone screen, yeah. like, yeah. and and you started to cry, and like, yeah. Bert, it was kind of a bad look for Bert, if we're honest, because he's just sort of like <laughs> laughing at you, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> laughing at you, not even understanding like any importance whatsoever for watching your children grow up. Yeah, yeah. Well, then he goes, he goes, you know, I'm gonna do that too after that, and then immediately, like within, I swear to God, like 24 hours of that episode airing, he announced a world tour. <laughs> 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 I mean, and, and bless Bert. I love him yeah. to death, man. I love him to death. But it was just so endearing. And then when uh, you and I started communicating about uh, doing each other's podcasts, yeah. you know, we started texting. Yeah. Like, you don't see that in this day and age. Like, people, like, responding so quickly to a text message and writing such, like, thoughtful, fully formed sentences. Right. You know, I'm like, wow, dude, this guy... Chris is so thoughtful, so, uh, so kind and generous, you know? Well, you know what? I think that I think that I, with comedy, all, some of my peers, you know, like I came up with, you know, the Mark Normans, the Sam Morals, those guys, those was like my comedy class in New York. And those guys are true. They know everything about comedy, comedy historians. They know it and they respect the art form. And it's a beautiful thing to see where I just came from. I only started comedy for two reasons. The only things I ever wanted to do was one, make a sitcom show about my dad and about the relationship I have with my dad and second do comedy at Madison Square Garden that's the only things I that was my only goals I, I didn't I was never like I gotta be the best and I'm gonna I never cared about all that stuff was always so like superfluous to me because I was like Alexander the Great conquered the whole world nobody gives a fuck like it's all our own egos that create that create this pomp and circumstance about ourselves like none of it's real so i was just like what do i want to do and those are the only two things that i wanted to do so for me when i like you know like you i was always such a fan of yours i was like oh when you're like I'll, you'll do I'll, we'll do this podcast and then we'll turn around and do my podcast because i know it's a business i was like no dude i just want to do you i want to i'll give my energy for you i don't care if i monetize it with fucking hello fresh who gives a shit it wasn't just, <laughs> as a byproduct of my goal chasing i get to meet cool people and i'm like 
whether we monetize that or not, I, I don't care. It was very generous of you yeah. to, to say, you know what, screw my podcast. We'll just, I'll, I'll give all of my energy yeah. and all of my effort into doing your episode. And I, I, I appreciate that. I also wish I could get on your episode or on your podcast to promote my special. Sure, when you come to New York or... <laughs> or I'll, I'll be there. I'm planning to be there um, the, the week that the UFC is there. Yeah, uh, do with, I do a podcast, Hey Babe, too, with Sal Volcano from the Practical Jokers. You know him. Yeah, I cool, love you guys. Mm -hmm. It would be great. I I'm, feel like you'd kill on that. I'm going on their cruise. Oh, you in are? In January. So good. It'd be perfect. Yeah. The, the Eric Andre thing. So yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Like yeah. we'll, we'll hit it up. We'll, we'll knock yours out when... Uh, yeah, when yeah, yeah. We'll have fun with it. Whatever Watch you it be a double up upload anyway because uh about the same yeah, time about you know? the same time who knows but yeah dude so uh all kinds of exciting stuff um you're in brea i'm in brea right now you were in brea a couple weeks ago i was in Ir irvine a couple of weeks ago brea this weekend <laughs> which was stupid my agent was like no it'll be fine and i'm like it's stupid they're too close to each other i should just do one of them this year and then come back in two years and do another one. like no it's going to be great you're going to sell them all out and that is not true it's not true. I mean, I'm almost, I mean, you know how it, here's the thing too. I had the great, great thing that happened to me is I had Louis CK come on my podcast and he was in a bad mood and that was oh, good. Wow. That was great as a comedian, not in a bad mood, but he was just being like, he was in the mode of being like, let me tell you what the fuck you're going to do and what your mindset in this business is going to be. And I appreciated the shit out of it because it used to be, if you don't sell out, right? You think that there's some kind of failure because of our business and the agents always want you to sell out and they only make money if you make money and this whole thing that's happening. And Louie was like, listen, if there's 30 people in the room or 3,000 people in the room, you play the games that are on your schedule for the fans that came to see you. Sure. It doesn't matter if you have 80% sold out or 100% sold out. The, the money and all that, it becomes negligible at a certain point. Just go out there and perform for the people in front of you. So now, you know, like the manager will text me like, hey, so sorry, buddy, this show, uh, the late show is not sold out. And I'm like, I don't... I." I don't care anymore. Like I, I'm not embarrassed by it, and I'm like I don't care. It's like some markets you'll sell a lot of tickets, some markets you won't. Dude, I don't care. I saw Ari's Instagram, Ari Shafir, and he had this hilarious tour schedule that's you know with the sold out show added, and then there was one show next to it that said selling badly. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So fucking great. Oh, I'm like, the man. Yeah, Ari is absolutely the man. He's another guy. He's another, like, very kind of um, zen comic. Or, like, I don't know, zen, but, like, a person, a good person to talk to in this business because he's been, like, canceled. He's been at the top. He's been at the bottom. And he's kind of, like, a good example of a guy who's, like, the whole point of this is to just keep going because, like, you know, if you if in one day you're like the king of the world and then in 10 days that could change and then the same token one day you're at the bottom and in 10 days you could be at the top so he's like the, the key is just stay in the present and keep going and i was like and he's good because like he put out his special a jew that so he named good. i know i could have named it better myself and <laughs> i would have put fucking in front of it fucking jew. <laughs> sorry abdallah um so 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 i uh I, I thought like a themed special is the way to go. Like what you're putting out, yeah. it has a theme, it has a purpose. I think that's the way to go now. And he, he did a great job of that. Even if I say so myself, I have to agree. I did a really good job. You know what else I do a good job at? Keeping my butthole totally clean. You know why? Because I wash it. I don't wipe it. I wash it with 
my bidet from hellotushy.com. And if you've been listening to this podcast for even a short time, you've probably heard me say that Tushy is my favorite sponsor that we've ever had because this product is so important to me. You know when you take a dump and then just wipe it with dry toilet paper? Like, or you're just smearing poop around. Like, it's, it's time to start washing, baby, and stop wiping. Wiping is for just drying off your butthole once you've pressure cleaned it to such absolute perfection that you could eat off of it. You probably should have somebody eat off your butthole because it's that clean. Man, I love my tushy bidet. And if you go to hellotushy.com slash stevo, then you get 10% off your first order. And again, this is my favorite product I've ever promoted on this podcast. And I don't mind saying it. I say it every time. HelloTushy.com slash Stevo to enjoy 10% off your first order. And man, they've got different kinds of bidets. The, the ace is insane. So get on over to HelloTushy.com slash Stevo and do it uh, up until November 18th. For the spend and get special, I don't even know what that is, but it's exciting. HelloTushy.com slash Diva for the cleanest butthole you've ever had. Now let's get back to it. I mean, I've raved about you ever since I saw it. And then my bucket list special, which comes out today, uh, I got the same director, same production company, same director of photography. As Ari? Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, probably because we have the same manager. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Are you Jewish too? I'm not. Whoa, okay. I, I, I'm not, but uh, I'm, you know. There's not many of us left, non-Jews in comedy. The, the only, Gentiles of comedy. Wow. The only religious stance that I feel strongly about mm -hmm. is um, that I'm mad at the Christian concept of a heaven which is exclusive to only people that accept Jesus Christ as their savior because that excludes my buddy Abdullah. Exactly. Dude. And a bunch of other people who I love. Yeah. And I've said loud and clear, man, if heaven's all it's cracked up to be, I'd love to check it out, but not without everybody I love. Getting in. And they're dude. all faiths, all types of people. Yeah, dude. You know how many babies would die in heaven if we can't get Abdullah in? We need yeah. Abdullah in there, dude, to save those goddamn kids. Yeah. <laughs> right, are we going to get some waterworks over here? Yeah, you might, dude. You never know. It depends. Yeah, we need the clip. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We need, yeah. Oh, we'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm uh, kind of anti-terrorism, pro-love. Same. Yeah. I think most, right? Yeah. <laughs> we all are. Dude, I went out. I went out. It's so, comedy is so funny because like, you know, it's, nothing's funnier, I think, to other comics when like a comic bombs. So I go out there last night and yesterday, you know, this, this it is November 14th, but last night was October 13th. It's just crazy the way time works. But, yeah. but last night was October 13th, which Hamas had announced was World Jihad Day. Was oh, the, wow. Did they, they really? They announced yesterday it was a big world jihad. So I went out there and I said, guys, listen, first thing, you know, so whatever it is, four or five hundred people. I said, listen, I said, I know today's world jihad day, but let's make it instead of a jihad. Let's have a jihaha. Bombed. <laughs> Nobody laughed. Bombed. And then I said, I'm sorry, I'm acting like a homosexual. <laughs> yeah. 
and it was crickets. Oh, yeah. oh, I heard was my guy who works with me, my friend Don DePetta, fucking falling over on the couch <laughs> in the green room, and and that is enough for me. I didn't care. I was like, at least the comic left. Was he eating yeah. Hamas and pita? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. And but that that's you know, and then yeah, people that. like, oh, that was too soon. And I'm like, shut up. No, it's not. Where was this? Brea, Brea Improv. Shame on the people of Brea. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I say that with a heavy heart because Brea has been very good to me. Oh, what a great club. It's a big yeah. room. Oh, there's big there's boy. a saying, if, if you build it, they will come. And they did this remodel on that club that is just out yeah. of this world. Yeah, I love that. If uh, I love Brea. I lo and you're doing nothing with that bitching ass LED wall behind you. Nothing. They ain't doing <laughs> shit. No, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I got to get more multimedia, right? You're good. You're good at that stuff. You're good at making it a show. Sometimes with me, I'm like, what are these people paying to see me talking about stupid shit I wrote in my notebook? I got to make this a show, man. You put on a show, man. You're painting your dick. <laughs> How long will it take you to do a special from this material? Um, this is this material that I'm working on. I put on my last special, Special Weshy, um, last year or 18 months ago, and now I'm ready to go with the new special. Um, like within the next two to three months, I'll oh, tape wow. it. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a fast. Because, turnaround. Well, because because what I try to do is, um, when I'm have a special in the can, when Special Weshy was shot, I had already had 20 minutes of the new one. Right. You you always go on to be a little bit ahead. So right. I I try to do that. So I got material now for the next one. Stuff that I'm talking about. Uh, specific stuff with my daughters getting older that I'm I hold back. I do it like in the local comedy clubs in New York, but I won't do it on the headlining set. Do you already okay. have a name for it? For this special, mm -hmm. I think I'm going to call it Special Little Boy. This special, <laughs> maybe. Or because my last one, my daughter named Special Weshy. So I don't know. I don't know. For me, the name, I don't, I've never been um, so concerned with the name or what the stage looks like. I was like, oh, it was always just about the jokes. Now I think you have to be more concerned with the name and the algorithm and this. But I used to like when I would watch like Bill Burr, Louis C.K., those are my two favorite comics. I never, I don't even know what the names of their specials are. I just know the material. And and that's you know they go like, oh, their newest one or the last one. Yeah, I, I'm like I know I know the bits. I don't know, but again, some people do. Some people that's what they're all about, like music. And I just never knew anything. I I don't know what the hell I was doing when I was a kid or a teenager. I don't maybe in my own world, but I never got. I was like, I don't want to take time thinking of this name. So with the Netflix special, they were like coming up with all these different names. And I was like, uh, I don't know. And then the, the very last day when I had to name it, I literally asked my daughter. She was six at the time. I was like, what should I name my special? And she was like, she had Nutella like all over her hands and face. She was like, Speshy Weshy. I was like, that's it. I mean, it's very on brand for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's what it you know that that's so I think I'll either call this one special little boy or I'll just maybe I'll ask my two year old my two year old will be three I'll ask I'll ask her I'll ask her what to name and I'll let the little one name this one. Poo -poo. Right. Now, poo -poo. In, in the special weshy, you uh, ha had a, a a joke about about somebody in Idaho watching and you said but if you're in Idaho then like and subscribe, yes. and that kind of threw me a curveball because I thought hmm was this. Uh, taped for Netflix or was it licensed after the fact like mm -hmm. did you expect that you were going to put it on YouTube no no as a matter of fact they when I filmed it nobody wanted uh, you know everybody was passing on me so I said you know what let's just film it we did it in the Gramercy Theater in New York hometown I was like I'll get you know my people there whatever 
I said, let's film it, and I'm going to put it on YouTube, and I don't care. And then at the end of the special, I said, I'm putting this thing on YouTube. Unless Netflix wants it, then I'll sell it to you, right? I said that. And in the middle, in the show, I had multiple bits just, like, shitting on Netflix. And because I got fired from a show on Netflix for a joke, so I was like, I'm just going to, whatever. I don't, I'm, This is going on YouTube. And then my agent sent it to Netflix, like, you know, the next week, and they turned around, they're like, we want to buy it. And I was like, oh, sweet. But they were like, you know, we have notes. And I, and I told, you know, my age, tell them, I was like, there's no notes. Either they put it on exactly as I did it, or I'll just put it on YouTube. Like, I, it's, 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 it, it, the whole thing was for YouTube, so I'll put it on. I don't want any notes. And they were like, um, well, you have to at least take the stuff out about shitting on Netflix. And I said, then I'm just going to put it on YouTube. But like, there's zero. I will take out zero just because I'm appreciative of Netflix. I'd be, But I was like, this whole thing is, you know, my own fans for my fans. I only, my career only started to get going. I started doing podcasts and, and that stuff. I right. was like, I don't, the networks never gave me anything. I lost stuff from them. So I was like, I was like, I don't care. And they were like, but respectfully, like, not like I was like, right. I respectfully don't care. I will not take a note from you. Um, and then they just were like, all right, fine. Well, we'll put it on as is then. That's so, great. Yeah. It's a very it's yeah. a wildly different experience than I've had with Netflix. Right. What are that? Why they, I don't like, you know, <laughs> They, they did say that my bucket list special had just too much dick in it. And, and what there, a bad you know, note. There's, 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 <laughs> yeah. And there's like, there is the, the semen flying around. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you know what? We can't have Steve-O's dick on, but we can put on the dictator's playbook to teach people how to become dictators. Right. The secrets of, you know, Kim Jong-un and Osama bin Laden. Right. That's good, but not Steve-O's painted cock. And, and I don't know, man. Like, I, I had a lot of, like, self-consciousness around, like you know, how people viewed me getting into stand-up when I'm the jackass guy. And, and like, that uh, fucking kind of, you know, bothered me for a long time. It doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah, you know? it, it does It doesn't bother me anymore. Like, I'm authentic in what I do. Yep. I'm unpolo unapologetic. I don't give a fuck. I go out there and I do my thing and, and uh, you know, I'm good at it. And you've been doing it now for what? 13 years. Exactly. So yeah. you got your 10, 000, 10 years, 10,000 hours in. Yeah. And, and so um, everybody can suck my dick, but the problem is that, that I think that Netflix and largely the fucking, you know, people who put out comedy specials, they just still don't, they, they, exactly. they're, not, they're not opening up their arms to embrace Steve-O comedy. Fuck them. Let them suck your paint-filled dick. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, does, yeah. does Netflix still have the negotiating power it once had? Because people... And are they offering the same amount of money they once were? Cause, no. Because people did, are like... You did the licensing deal? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. people are like, well, I'll just go on YouTube and make $5 million. Right, yeah. With my and own fans that I've... What do you mean go on YouTube and make $5 Or, or like uh, publish it themselves or wherever they're going to do it right. and make, make the money. Well, they make the money, I guess, you know, the views, and then they make the money from the... From the ticket or like a sales. paywall. Yeah, or a paywall. Like, that's what you're doing, right? I, they, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have to. Yeah. Because, number one, I can't put it on on uh, YouTube. There's no way. It's got way too much dick. Sure. And there's the semen flying around. Right. And um, also, like, dude, with the, the that opening sequence with the helicopter and just all the different things I filmed, this thing was insanely expensive i believe it but yeah like and you and that's all real you were really like at any man, moment you fall off you're dead um yeah like we, we rigged we rigged me onto the the rope ladder so to, to minimize the chance of me dying right but, uh, but the, the 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 falling from the helicopter onto the roof of the moving tour bus what there's no way around that being fucking dangerous so you fuck. don't want to die like in any of the stunts you've done <laughs> 
You're not, you're not, you're not afraid to die. You are afraid to die. You're just saying I'm going to conquer my fear by trying to do this. Or what's the thought process? Um, my need for attention outweighs my need for comfort or um, life. <laughs> <laughs> you'd rather, you'd rather just have people be like, look at me, like you want. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an attention whore through and through. I, I, I. I would go so far as just say, I think I'm a world-class attention whore. Right, right. Well, I mean, but I think because you know that and because, it, you know, it, that's why it's likable. Because we're like, well, you know who you are. Yeah, well, well thanks, man. You, you know, know, like, uh, I got myself tattooed on myself, on my back. Like, it's bigger on my back than I am. Right. And, uh, you know, that that's just me kind of coming out and saying it. Hey, man, like, everybody's favorite thing is themselves you love yourself i'm just down with it you know good like, dude yeah good man be who you are i respect the shit out of that well thanks man i appreciate it and um i i'd like to just um you know just loop back and and just kind of take my own shit on netflix and urge everybody listening or watching um to support my bucket list special i really want netflix and everybody else in the space to fucking regret rejecting me regret looking down on me and i want them to find out like how fucking good my shit yeah, is yeah dude i want this special i want steve special to make serious money like ukrainian care package money yeah that's what i want like i want joe biden to be like damn <laughs> i could have yeah. given that to ukraine yeah that's exactly <laughs> like stuff right. like that right so um <laughs> now now what else you said you have three kids i have three kids i have well, i have a stepson my 12 year old stepson and then i have an eight-year-old daughter and a two-year-old daughter Okay. But I raised, you know, they're all with me raising, you know, three kids. Yeah. And 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 now you're in you're here in Southern California performing at a like I mean it's a comedy club but the as big as a fucking comedy club gets. Five hundred and seventy seats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a theater. Yeah. Yeah. Five hundred and seventy seats. Yeah. It's epic. That that's basically like the only kind of comedy club that you would entertain. Right? Um. No. Well, I I would do other ones. I'm doing other ones this month in can in uh in uh in Raleigh because I I like uh, good nights in Raleigh. Good nights. Yeah. So I don't mind the some are theaters, but I like I kind of feel like with the comedy clubs, especially I have a practicing for a special. I'd rather I feel like those are really where you practice the craft. Where the theaters, you have to like perform them more, and it's almost like sometimes you're doing like a play where the comedy clubs is like real, like broken down, like like comedy like in the gym so i don't mind um doing those weekends it, when the special comes out after that it will only be the 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 theaters because you want to do the one show and get home as quick as possible but i'm in like practice mode now so i do all these comedy clubs it's like uh the baseball player who's on deck he's got the fucking the heavy weighted ring around the bat because yeah. it's like harder work so he'll switch and in the comedy club it's mm. kind of like that weighted ring because you got to fight through Performing in a fucking crowded restaurant with yes. people fucking Friday and the, <laughs> the check spot, you know, yeah. like the, like I purposely, like I always try to take the last flight out possible, spend as much time at home as I can. But like I purposely yesterday, I landed in LA at LAX at like four o'clock, like four p.m. Flew across the country, landed, and then you know traffic from LAX to Bray. It's like we were walk. It took like two and a half hours, and like walking in the show starting, and then I had two shows on New York time, so it's like three hours later in my head. But I'm like, if you're gonna practice, then practice with the hardest pot with yeah. all the weights on you. So it's like. And if you can get through that, then it's like by the time you film that actual special, it'll be like a walk in the park. That, yeah. That's my mindset towards mm. it. Making things harder is one way to prepare. But 
Making things easier is one way to make money, especially with ShipStation. This is how you make money once you've built an audience online. You sell stuff to them. And it's so much easier with ShipStation because it brings into one easy-to-use interface all of the different shipping services and all of the different selling platforms. If you're using Etsy, Amazon, eBay, your own website, it all comes together along with the United States Postal Service, UPS, FedEx, and they give you the best rates that you can get, rates that are normally saved for like Fortune 500 companies. They make everything easier, they make everything cheaper, and... <clears throat> They make you money, man. This is how we ship every single item that we sell from stevo.com. It is the secret sauce. It is the secret to our success. You make an order, boom, the order, the label gets printed out. You stick the product in the box, you put the label on there, and then boom, off it goes to your customer. Super easy. And you know what's even easier? If you go to shipstation.com and use the promo code STEVO, you get a completely free 60-day trial. Risk-free, hassle-free, free trial. And... <laughs> I mean, dude, you got to hurry up and get on this while you can still catch the holidays. I mean, man, we are slinging stuff for the holidays. Like our Stevo's hot sauce for your butthole. You think that's not the best stocking stuffer ever? And how are we getting it to our customers? With ShipStation. It's time to make ship happen, baby. So go to ShipStation.com and use the promo code Stevo for your 60-day risk-free, hassle-free free trial yeah dude make ship happen now let's get back to it did you really drink six martinis before taping special Weshi? dude i was loaded <laughs> absolutely <laughs> loaded i loaded like you can't imagine and just forgot shit like just went out there and i was just like fuck it i had an attitude at that time in my life where I was like, nobody wants this. So <laughs> I don't care anyway. It's all over. I'm going back to physical therapy. So <laughs> fuck it. So I just went out there, I mean, smashed. And um, but I said, fuck it. You know, why the hell not that? And then I have the other thing in my career that people know me from is, is my 9-11 story. I went on, if you Google Chris Stefano 9-11 story, it's like the thing, like people will be like, hey, you're the 9-11 guy, which sounds weird. I'm like, no, I wasn't involved. But they, but they, you know, I did this comedy bit about 9-11 on 9-11 in New York City at the Comedy Cellar. And it's another thing. I was like nearly blackout drunk when I did it. Wow. Like almost like I have little fuzzy memories of it. And I, it was like the only thing of my stand-up that like ever went like truly viral. And I was like, holy shit. I just put out 12 minutes. And I, and I knew when I was doing that bit like all the waiters and waitresses stopped what they were doing and I saw other comics coming into the back of the comedy cellar to watch and I was like, oh shit, what's happening right now? And I just kept going, like telling the story and then I was like, I saw it the next day and I was like, dude, I don't even remember saying half of this shit. <laughs> like I was calling out like Vinny Guadagnino from the Jersey Shore. I didn't know what I was even talking about, but I showed it to my friend and he was like, you have to put this out immediately. Like, this is what you post. And I was like, nobody's going to like this. He was like, just fucking post it. What was it. the gist of it? So basically on 9-11, I told this story about how my mom worked in downtown Manhattan in the second uh, building that was hit 
survived was fine but i didn't know like where she was like nobody knew where she was and you know new york city was like kind of wild on 9 11 and i um i didn't know where they told us what happened and then immediately i was like oh my mom's dead and i started to cry and this guy frank this kid frank started laughing at me right and it's an all-boy catholic high school very very strict high school this kid frank starts to laugh at me and i immediately just broke a chair over his head like we were sitting in these detached chairs and desks and i just took the chair and i swung it over his head and I fucking like knocked him out big thing and i got expelled from the school on 9 11. i get home my mom is okay you know like i i i was like uh, you know she was we didn't know where she was but i get home and she's there and she's okay and i don't tell anybody anything and then i go back into school we were off wednesday 9 11 happened on a tuesday wednesday schools closed and then thursday i walked back in like i didn't you know almost pit somebody in a coma and then this the, the teacher the principal brother rob was like hey DeStefano, what do you think we forgot you're expelled <laughs> and i was like oh sorry you guys remember that and they were like yeah he, frank's in the hospital i was like my bad and 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 so I call my father and my father is like, you know, kind of like um, was in prison when I was a kid, wow. um, was like a kind of in and out, uh, you know, great guy. But like, you know, like a, a tough old school New York guy from the Bronx, like what you see in the movies, like that's the type of guy my father was not so much when he was raising me, but he has that in him. And, you know, it's probably what my mother was attracted to when they had me and, and all that. And so like a kind of tough guy. So I call my dad from payphone, and I was like, hey, dad. I got expelled from the school and he goes right away. He goes, here's the good news. No, you didn't. And I said, no, I'm, I'm telling you I did. And he goes, nope, I'm coming down there. I'm going to negotiate with this fuck. And I was, <laughs> so it wasn't like a thing. Like if I had told my mother, like I got expelled or whatever, it's what did you do? Oh my God, my dad. Cause he's just been around criminals and been around stuff. He, he just, he's calm. He was just like, you're not getting, don't worry about it. He goes, I'm gonna be there in 20 minutes, I'm gonna talk to this guy. Now he lived on Staten Island, the school was in Queens. This was a Wednesday morning at 9.30 in the morning. It's like an hour with traffic. He got there in like 15 minutes. And I never forget, he w showed up, he was wearing a New York Yankees uh, batting practice, uh, a New York Yankees batting practice jacket, and he had a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. That was like a triple XL. So this guy was like caffeined up, fired up, and he walks in, and we walk. He said, "Where's the principal's office?" So I show him. We walk in, and there's a uh, you know in a, a, a um, secretary there that you know you need to make appointments. He walks right past her. I never. Her name was Miss Annette. Miss Annette. He walks right past Miss Annette. She goes, "Excuse me, uh, sir. You need have an appointment." He goes, "I I got. Don't worry about. It. Just do what you're doing, sweetheart. I got one." So he walks in, and I'm there. And brother Rob is on the phone. So my dad goes, hey, can I talk to you? And then brother Rob says, do you have an appointment? He goes, no, nah, I don't need one. And he goes, no, you need one. He goes, no, nah, I don't need one. He goes, can I talk to you? And then brother Rob goes, I'm on the phone. And then I'll never forget, my dad, you know, was like a, like a house phone. He clicked the receiver on the phone and he goes, look at that, now you're not on the phone. <laughs> he like hung up his phone call. And then, and then he goes, um, he goes uh, to brother Rob, He's like, um, so my son, I heard that my son allegedly hit somebody in the head with a chair. And then uh, Brother Rob goes, well, it's not alleged. We have, he hit somebody in the head with a chair. There's witnesses. He goes, it's all alleged till he's convicted. And then goes, Brother Rob was like, it's not, this is not a court. You know, like he's expelled from the school. And then Brother Rob was like, um, listen, he goes, uh, he's expelled and there's nothing you can do. And my dad goes, there's got to be another way. Like, he's just one of those doesn't take no for an answer kind of guy. So my dad goes, there's got to be another way. 
And then Brother Rob goes, um, there's, sir, there's no other way. Like he's, you know, he, he could be arrested for like what he did. There's absolutely no other way. And then my dad takes out a wad of cash and he just put right in front of me, just puts it on the table in front of me. He goes, there's got to be another way. And then Brother Rob says, you're going to bribe a man of God. And then I'll ne this is like, it like got etched in my brain. He goes, I lost God September 21st, 1979. And I'm like, I don't know what that date meant to him, but I know he was in prison. And so I don't even want to know what happened to him that day, <laughs> but something definitely crazy happened to him that day. Like I, I will never ask him, but he was like that September 21st, 1979. I was like, oh shit. So then my dad goes, let's figure out another way. And then brother Rob says, sir, are you stupid? There's no other way. And then my dad, that's, you don't want to say that to a guy like that. It's like calling Michael J. Fox chicken. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and my dad goes, um, my dad goes, you just call me stupid? And then he looks at me, he goes, he just called me stupid? And I said, yeah, you know, yes, um, but I don't think he meant it like that. And then my dad goes, yeah. He goes, Chrissy, when he called me, like he would, that's what he would call me, he would go, Chrissy, lock the door. So I, I was like, what? He goes, lock the door. So I shut the door and he goes, and he sits down, calm, my father. He goes, um, to brother Rob, he goes, okay, listen. He goes, now you have two options. He goes, and he goes, the second option really sucks for you. He goes, here's the first option. Just let my son back in school. He goes, now here's the second option. And again, this one's going to suck for you. He goes, you're going to think what I'm about to say is I've heard it in a movie. He's like, I'm one of the guys that they write these movies about. He goes, I'm gonna come over there and I'm gonna break both of your kneecaps. He goes, I've done it before, I'll do it again. He goes, I will call the police and I will give them my name, my social security number, tell them exactly what I'm doing and then I'm gonna still do it to you. He goes, I don't care, I'll go. He goes, I'd rather, this is another exact quote. He goes, I'd rather go back to prison for the rest of my life and be with my friends then you throw him out and me have to listen to his mother's fucking mouth for the rest of my life. He goes, so the choice is yours. It's up to you. And then brother Rob, like, why does it go? Because when you get put in a position like that and you know like there's a, this is like a detached from reality man or at least he's having temporary insanity type man, you, you know like you're like, I'm not, like in the movies, you might be a tough guy, but in reality, you're like, I'll do whatever you want me to do then. And then Brother Rob's like, okay, well, then he's, he's back in school. He's immediately, <laughs> he's immediately back in school. And then, and then my dad says, thank you. He goes, I appreciate it. He goes, now we got, uh, there should be a penalty. You know, he's like, you know, detention, you know, whatever. He's like, you know, there's something. Yeah, my dad's like, you know, you don't get off scot-free with shit like that, but there should be a penalty. He goes, how about detention before and after school? And uh, we throw, and you know, he can't be on the basketball team or something like that. And brother, brother Rob goes, that's fine with me. And I said, dad, break his fucking legs. <laughs> I, I'd rather not. Was that but, the first time you've ever seen your father do something like that? That's the first time I ever saw my father act, you know, act like that. When I was younger, I would see my dad... Like the only other time I saw my dad or I knew like, oh, there's something like different about my dad is I remember when I was maybe nine or 10 years old, I would go with my dad's on the weekends and my, uh, my mom was going like a Saturday morning was picking me up and my mom was like, you know, Tony, can you take him like camping or something? Like he wants to do the Boy Scouts, but he's never been in nature. He's like scared of nature. Like do something like hunting or something with him. Can you do some type of father-son outdoor activity with him? And he was like, uh, yeah. 
He goes, all right, yeah, I, I guess. And then, um, so, but my dad's not that guy either. So, like, she, like, my dad would take me to, like, OTB, like, racetracks or, like, the ho aqueduct horse track in New York City and be like, just tell your mother we went to the zoo. Because he was, like, a <laughs> compulsive gambler. And so, but, like, my, that's why they got divorced. So he was like, you can't tell your mother that I gambled. So just say we're at the fucking zoo. But I would love it. I mean, I'm with my dad and his friends, these guys, like, these funny guys. And I was a little kid. But he took me, we were driving in uh, New Jersey, and, um, and he's like, all right, we're going to go uh, hunt. And I said, okay. And then he turns off the highway, not an exit, just off the highway, like in the middle of an exit, like into woods. And he pulls the car like a little bit into the woods. I thought maybe he was going to go take a piss or whatever. And he goes, we're going to go into the woods. And I said, okay. And he goes, open that glove box. And I opened the glove box, and there was a handgun in there. And he goes, uh, take that gun. He goes, and I swear to God, I'm 10 years old. He goes, have you ever handled the gun? I was like. No, I'm, a, I'm 10. And, and, and he was like, it's easy. I'll show you how to do it and go in the woods. And so we go in the woods and then he's like, I, you know, deer or whatever will be around. He's like, so I'll show you how to do it first. You see a deer, an animal like that, you just shoot at it. Doesn't matter if you hit it. Hunting's about you just take a shot. And so my dad, there's no animals there. We're like in New Jersey. It's like kind of like urbanized New Jersey. And we were there for like 20, 30 minutes. And my dad was like, listen, there's no animals coming. He was like, I'll just take you to McDonald's. Just tell your mother we went hunting. I was like, okay. And then that was, you know, what I did. I just told my mother that I went, we went hunting with my dad and it was nice. And he told me what to say to her. And that was kind of like my childhood, like tell telling my mom things that I did that I didn't really do that but but it's not like my dad was like a bad guy for it it was like I, I we just you know uh, my dad was a great dad he was just like he wanted me to have fun but my mom's very conservative and my dad was very like my dad so he couldn't tell her like exactly how <laughs> I was doing exactly what we were doing so yeah but that that 9-11 thing that's um that was uh that was like, I, you know, told if you Google the story, it's like, you know, like a whole full comedy bit. But that was like the gist of it. To be fair, the story was minimally about 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. It was the week of 9-11. Yeah. 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 A great story, though. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. uh, as you told it, I, I, said, I found myself being... Uh, like anxious, be like, oh man, is this a story that everybody already knows? Like, oh, are we blowing it? Like, uh, yeah, was that like a different version of it? What do you mean? Or was it like verbatim? What no, no, oh, the, oh, the bit, the bit is like, the bit is like, yeah, it's 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 been out there. It's more like you know, stand up bit. I'm throwing other things in the in, in the mix of it, but yeah, is your dad okay. still around? Oh yeah, did oh, you, yeah. Do you hear that bit? Oh yeah, he's heard it. What, he's he heard still it? breaking kneecaps. Yeah, no, he's 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 cool with everything because he's like you know. He's like, yeah, whatever you got to say. His whole thing is like with comedy is like whatever you got to do. Just don't <laughs> use real names other than me, you know, his, my, you know, himself. He's like any shit you saw at the, my friends or whatever, like, you know, just don't use real names. And then, yeah. and then you're good. But I mean, it was fun growing up like in New York with guys like that because like they were just, you know, they're like funny guy. Like, you know, like my dad had a friend, Bobby Petz, who he's dead. And that, you know, I could use his real name. He was like a neighborhood guy, Bobby Petz. But he had like all different like exotic animals and shit. Like, <laughs> you know, like I grew up in a part of New York that like is romanticized by like movies and TV shows. Like everybody's, you know, family is connected to, you know, you know, it's either like was organized crime or the police or there's always schemes going on. And like, you know, we all live on top of each other in apartment buildings. So it was like a fun way to 
grow up and even when I started comedy, it was like, I don't even really have, I mean, I would write jokes, but I was like, I was initially just like writing observational material because I thought like that's what you had to do. But then I was like, let me just start telling stories about like things that actually happen and I'll like, you know, embellish facts here and there because my own life growing up was like pretty nuts. Like with these, the, the, when you grow up in New York, you see wild shit. Yeah, it seems counterintuitive that, you know, with that background, that you became so like highly educated and 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 such a like thoughtful, like well spoken. Well, because my mom, because because I think you only get that way when there's like a reason to. Like my mom was so adamant about me not ending up like my dad or being like my dad and his friends that she was like, y your education, like you will go to school, like beyond school. You have to go right. to like graduate school yeah, you'll be in school until you're 27 yes you will not <laughs> you will not ever you know you will continuously go to school and you will you know you will not speak like your father you will not act like him you will be different because my mom's highly educated so she was like i this is not happening so she was hell-bent on those things but then i got you know street stuff from my dad because my I would no that it was good sometimes divorce is good like if my mom and dad were together they were like would have not been happy and I would I would have not gotten it like just time alone with my dad it would have been like but like to be just like alone with my dad and like have like one parent where it's like school and you know you will eat with the proper fork and you will stay educated blah blah, blah and then to just have a fucking dirt bag on the weekends was awesome <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see that <laughs> it was it was great and your dad's in new york new york well now he lived in florida he moved to florida now but he was in new york you know my whole life um and then uh and yeah he lives in in tampa he lives in tampa now and um he's cool he's at like all my shows you know he's very support he was the guy I always like respect my dad because in the beginning with comedy, as I'm sure, you know, when you embarked on Jackass stuff, like nobody thinks you're ever going to do anything with it. Everybody, even, the one thing like, you know, sometimes I'll do college shows. The kids will ask me like, oh, any advice? And like my thing that I noticed about this type of business is like the people who are closest to you that love you the most are the ones that will probably be the least confident in you because they are just don't want anything bad right. to happen to you. So like your mom, like my mom didn't mean anything by it. Like she wasn't trying to deter right. me. She was like, you just have an education. You have health insurance. You're making $50,000 a year. Like what more do you want? What more do I want? I want to be able to say, mi especial de lista de deseos se publica hoy. You know what that means? That means my bucket list special is released today, baby. And how did I say it? I said that in Spanish. And why? Because I wanted to. And because I learned Spanish, I'm learning from Babbel. This is how people learn additional languages, the fastest and the easiest. It's like playing a video game on your phone. It's fun. You get the line, you figure it out, you say it. I mean, dude like 15 minutes a day and you could be speaking a new language in as little as three weeks and 15 hours that's the same as taking an entire semester long university course in learning a new language it's fast and easy with Babbel that's B-A-B-B-E-L Babbel.com and if you go to babbel.com slash steve you get 55% off Come on. That's got to be the biggest discount that's ever been gifted to the listeners of the Wild Ride Podcast. 55% off your subscription if you go to babble.com slash Stevo. And 
It doesn't get much more special than that. So, babble.com slash Steve-O, and let's get back to it. And, you know, and, and she's like, don't, do not go for your dreams. Like, that's too dangerous. But, like, my dad was more like, hey, you fucking go for it now. He was right. like, who gives a shit? He was like, what do you want to be on your deathbed and be like, all I ever did was physical therapy? He was like, you're going to feel like a fucking loser. He was yeah. like, you should go for comedy and go for it now. He's like, can you live in my basement until you make it? You just fucking live here. And he goes, it'll be my, our little secret. You don't have to tell your mother. Tell her you're still a physical therapist, but just fucking quit. He was like, quit tomorrow. That's what? rad. Yeah. He was like, That's fuck sick. that. Even like, even like when I got my oldest daughter, when I met her mom, we, she, she got pregnant on the first date. So like the mother of my children I'm still with today, like I met like literally the first date impregnated with my eight-year-old. So my mom, very conservative, Irish Catholic woman, you know, obviously if I got a girl pregnant, she doesn't, you know, out of wedlock, whatever, this is a big problem for my mom. So I could only tell my dad. My mom told, my, my girl told me that she's pregnant and, you know, and we're gonna keep it and, and all that. And I was like, great, like I'm in, you know, whatever. And then so I, I had to call my dad. And I was like, dad, like, you know, I fucked up. You know, like, you know, all this stuff. And he goes, oh, hold on, wait a second, wait a second. He goes, no, 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 you did not fuck up, okay? He goes, we're going to bring a baby into this family? You did not fuck up. He goes, how do you know that that baby in there is not going to be the next shortstop for the fucking New York Yankees? <laughs> he goes, that's who it could be. He goes, that, that's how he thinks. He goes, that could be for the fucking Yankees. Think about what you do to Steinbrenner family getting rid of that baby. So I'm like, okay. So he goes, so he goes, he goes, what 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 are you going to tell your mother? And I said, I, I honestly don't know. Like, can you help me? And he was like, Here's what you do. You ready for this? I said, Yeah. <laughs> he goes, He goes, Here's what we're going to do. He goes, You know your fucking mother. She is not going to like this. He goes, So he goes, Here's what I want you to do. I want you. To, my girl's name is Jasmine. He goes, I want you int introduce your mother to Jasmine right now. He goes, How far along is she? He goes, About about six to eight. I said about six to eight weeks. He goes, You checked? I said. What do you, how would I fucking check? <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, I don't know. I just, the doctor fucking checked. The baby's there at six to eight weeks. I said, yeah, I think so. He goes, all right. He goes, here's what you do. So she's not showing yet. I said, no. He goes, here's what you do. You introduce her right now, today, to your mother. This is my girlfriend, the love of my life, ma. This is the one right here. Bang. He goes, and you get, you, you don't say a fucking word about that baby. He goes, because what you got to do is you gotta get your mother and Jasmine together. They gotta be friends. Your mother's gotta fall in love with this girl. He goes, you gotta basically impregnate your mother with the idea <laughs> of your girlfriend being impregnated. He goes, so get her fucking pregnant with Jasmine mentally. Then this time in three months, bang, we have a baby. It's not gonna be so bad. She's gonna be like, well, you know what? I already love Jasmine. This is a blessing. If you tell her now, you're fucked. And I did that, and the day I told my mom, she was like, I'm so disappointed you guys didn't tell me earlier. What a beautiful <laughs> celebration of life. So wow. my dad was like, there you go. He goes there. So he, he had, he, he's good, like street advice like yeah. that. Man, like I want to get your dad on the podcast. Dude, he, like, I'll never forget. Like, he yeah. still to this day, like, makes me think. I actually heard them say it in Cobra Kai, the show Cobra Kai. And it made me think, like, my dad used to say that to me. I remember, like, when I would be going, leaving his house, some, sometimes on the weekends, on, like, a Sunday night. I'd sleep at his house and then go to school from his house on a Monday morning. And he, uh, I remember when I would leave sometimes, occasionally, he'd be like, Chrissy, never forget what I tell you, boiled water, okay? It hardens an egg, 
but it's soft. It's a potato. Are you the potato or the egg? Have a good day. <laughs> yeah. That's the best. Like that, you know? And I mean, like, yeah. You should do a documentary about your dad. I know. Well, the thing is, he's like, you know, even him, like, you know, we do comedy, whatever, like, bit, you know... It, you know, you make him larger than life a little bit, but the younger version of it, like he's, you know, more subdued now. He's 75. He's, but when I was a teenager, Tony like Soprano. that, that's how he was. Like he was that guy that was just like, you know, he would just say shit, you know, quotes. He always had quotes. He always had shit to say. He always had like things that you could, you know, figure out smart things, you know, like, and then he would get, you know, like kind of like dark stuff too. We'd be like, if you want to know how to be successful in life, look at me, look at your father, do everything exactly opposite of what you see in this man, and then you'll be somebody. He was like, don't, you don't want to be like me, be the opposite of me. And I'd be like, it's, it was a weird thing to hear because I was like, I love this guy, like everybody loves this guy, but he was like, you do not want to be me. And I was like, oh, wow. Was that yeah. you talking on a podcast about like uh, you saw your mom crying and your dad was pissed off at you for not doing anything? Yeah. The guy who made her cry when you were like 10? So my mom, yeah, she dated this guy. And then he, um, he, my parents got divorced when I was like one. And, um, and, and my dad got remarried. Great. Well, I have a wonderful stepmom. And, um, and, and so, and so he, uh, but, you know, he always like cared for my mom because, you know, they shared a child together. So he was always more like, you know, we got, this is the mother of my child. She has my protection and my love for, forever. Because even though we didn't work out romantically, we, I, I'm going to support her in other ways. And so my mom was dating a guy. I was like 10 or 11. My mom was dating a guy. And, um, and she, um, I'm sorry, I was like 15, 15, 16. And my, my mom's dating this guy. And they had a good relationship. And then he dumped her out of the blue and started dating a woman who lived directly across the street. Like directly across the street. So my mom was heartbroken. And one day I came back from school or whatever. And, and she was crying. Like she had pulled up a chair in front of the window. We lived on the second floor. It's an apartment building. She was looking out the window, like waiting to see if this guy who just broke her heart was like walking into his like new girlfriend's house. And she was like crying and upset. And I was teenager i didn't know you know i just went to fucking jerk off so i didn't know <laughs> what to do so i just went to my room and started playing like video games i didn't pay any attention to her. i didn't know how to deal with that so like my dad was coming over to take me to baseball practice and i was in the room playing video games he comes in he sees my mom crying he goes you all right to her and she was like yeah, i'm fine fine it's just you know i'm fine and he was like okay and then he goes where's christopher and then she was like he's in his room playing video games so i hear my dad like you know sh coming in with 250 pound fucking gorilla i hear him coming in he goes hey stupid he was like what the fuck are you doing i was like uh i'm playing video games he was like your mother's out there crying i said yeah he goes you know what it's about i was like that guy you know the guy john he was she was dating he goes yeah i know that fucking pussy and i <laughs> that's what he said like he just hated all my mom's boyfriends he goes he goes i go yeah he goes well he dumped her and he's dating a woman who lives across the street. And my dad goes, are you going to do something about that? <laughs> and I go, what do you want me to do about it? He goes, I'm going to be right back. Do not come outside. And I said, okay. So I was like, I'm going to wait 10 seconds and then immediately go outside. And my dad, he goes, I'm getting us bagels. And he's like, who wants bagels? And then I was like, nobody, but okay. So he goes, goes outside, say a minute or two go by play my video games and I hear my mother screaming Tony stop stop it right now you're gonna kill him stop it and then I run downstairs <laughs> my dad had rang the bell 
waited for this guy to come downstairs, dragged him outside, and started beating the shit out of him. Like <laughs> like Ray Liotta yeah. in Goodfellas. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, not with a gun or anything, but like, like a full fist fight. And then I run downstairs, and my dad's by that time walking back across the street. He goes, that was your job to me. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? And then he goes, uh, he goes, you're going to let your mother cry like that? You're not going to do anything? And I was like, what? Well, like, I, I remember, I literally remember being 15, 16 years old that day being like, I had a psoriasis outbreak all over my arms, and I was so itchy. I was like, what do you want me to do? And he was like, uh, he was like, it was your job. And then... You know, the thing is with my dad is he would always do something like that, but then also be like, okay, I went too far because then we were driving back to Staten Island and we we're sitting in traffic on the Verrazano Bridge and he goes, um, like out of nowhere, he turns on the radio and goes, you know, that was wrong what I did back there, right? I said, yeah, I know, mom knows, the police know, like everybody knows that that was wrong. Like, they're, thank God they're not pressing charges on you. Like, we know that that was wrong. He goes, well, all right. He goes, but you know, the lesson, I'm just trying to, instead of fucking playing video games like an asshole, go comfort your mother. She needs you. He's like, you know, I'm not here anymore. I'm not here every day. You're the man of the house right now. So just go be nice to your mother. And I was like, okay. And that was my his way for compensating your shortcomings. Yes. The only yeah. time my dad hit me once and once in my life only, I was, it was actually around that time. I can't remember if it was before or after, but I was like, let's say 15, 16, and a, you know, argument with my mom, whatever, teenage bullshit, and I called her my mom a bitch. Oh, boy. And, yeah. Oh and boy. so, like, you know, like, I don't even know the context I said. I really don't even remember because of the concussion my father's going to give me. I'll tell you about it in a second. Um, but he, I called her a bitch. And then my, she told my dad, right? Like, hey, this kid, like, you know, he's getting out of line now, whatever. So my dad comes to the house one day and he comes outside and he goes, uh, he goes, come on. He goes, let's go to, uh, we'll go to the bar. We'll get a beer. And I said, um, like, like, I swear to like 15. Yeah, 15. He goes, we'll get a beer, which he had never done that before. Like he wasn't even a drinker. Like he had never said that. And I, I was like, what do you mean we'll get a beer? He goes, well, go, come get a beer with me. He goes, you're a man now. And I said, well, no, I'm not. I'm 16. And he was like, no, you're a man. You called your mother a woman a bitch. That's what men do, right? And I said, no. Uh, what do you mean? He goes, come get a beer with me. If you're a, you're a man, you're calling women a bitch. You can't have a beer. You're scared to drink a beer, but you call your mother a bitch. I don't get it. Oh and I was like, um, and then I, I start getting really nervous because I know he's like, sure. he's like, this is, this is not going to be fun outing right now. He does not want to get a beer. Come on, Chrissy. Yeah, he's like, come on. He's like, he's like, it's like a game that he's playing. He goes, but I thought you were, he goes, I, I could have sworn your mother called me and told me you, you're my son, right? You? I go, yeah. He goes, called you, you called her a bitch, right? He goes, am I fucking crazy? Didn't you call her a bitch? And I said, yeah, but I didn't mean it. He goes, I thought, I, so you did. I go, yeah. He goes, I know. And then bang, punch, punch me like full, like in my chin. I don't know that he followed through, but punched me that I like fell back into the wall and then immediately gives me like a big, like bear hug. Like at first it was like a squeeze, like to like keep like the pain, but then it like became like a fatherly, like, like <laughs> loving hug. And he was like whispering in my ear. He was like, I'm sorry. I love you. I love you so much. I had to do that. Don't ever make me do that again. But if you ever call your mother a bitch again, I'm going to hit you every single time. And, and then he goes, so go up there and apologize to her and we'll go get pizza. And then I went up there, apologized. And then, you know, she said, she, you know, my mom was like, what happened? Because I already knew by this, because my dad had talked to me many, many times about do not ever be a rat. 
That was do not ever be a rat. If <laughs> You're I like do in kindergarten, like I knew that already. Like I knew that from the from the horse track stuff with the horses and tell her we're at the zoo. There was one time we went to Yankee Stadium and like we were really really late and he made me not you know I had to tell, I couldn't tell my mom that we, why we were at the game so late. I had to rat make up this. I couldn't be a rat. I had to make up this whole story. So I knew what was going on. So my mom like noticed like a big thing on my chin. She's like, "What happened to you?" I was like, "I fell down the on the <laughs> stairs." Outside, she, you know, because I at that time I had a bicycle. I was like, I, I tried to carry my bike down the stairs and I fell down the stairs. And she was like, Oh, you got to be careful, honey. I said, Yeah, my dad's here. He's gonna go get pizza. She's like, Okay, good. And I said, I just want to say I'm so sorry for saying what I said. She's <laughs> like, I know, honey, I know. She's like, I told your father and he was gonna talk, have a talk with you about it. That's what today is about. He's just gonna have a talk with you at the pizzeria and it's gonna be fine. But I know you didn't mean it. And I'm like, Yeah, well, I fucking can't see straight because my dad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm probably going to the emergency room tonight because I can have a fucking concussion. But that's just how he was. That's epic. That's yeah. epic, dude. Yeah. And uh, how much of that is going to um, be instilled in your kids? So that's the thing. As I say about my father, I always say he had like the right intention but the wrong move. And I feel like with nowadays, especially having daughters, yeah. like I don't know, even with my advice from my father, it's like tough because he's like, I don't know what to tell you how to raise a daughter. I have no fucking idea. He was like, right. a son, I could t you know, you just fuck a couple of swings. You just, <laughs> and then like, they start to listen. He's like, you cannot, you cannot hit a girl, you know? <laughs> so he doesn't, you know, I don't know. It, it's tough. You know, my, my daughters, their mom is Puerto Rican and very like strong, like, you know, Latina, strong minded. So I don't really worry about my daughters, especially my older one, as much because they're very, you know, strong-minded. But but, I I am not like him. I'm not like my dad. I think I have bits of him in me, but I would never do the the things like I wouldn't. I you can't raise your kids that way. Well, right. Know? But say for example, like the 9/11 story. You know, like are, are you gonna like go and tell people like I, I'm ready to break your legs because you did something wrong to my daughter? See, it's interesting. No, but my their mom will. So their <laughs> right. my, I remember being my again fiery Latina Puerto Rican girl, beautiful, you know, you know, like just like like what again stereotypical Latina, just hot Spanish girl, tattoo on the tit, like real deal, <laughs> just fucking like you know, and like just a mom, like you know, Latin, Puerto Rican yeah. woman, like a mom, like will fucking kill you for her children. My oldest daughter, she because my my girl Jasmine's more like my dad's side, right? She has like that hot streak so my so my oldest daughter is you know let's call it six months right maybe a little older maybe eight months we're in the elevator in our apartment building where we we're living and we're coming down and she had a pacifier in her mouth it was just me jasmine and and my baby and um a woman gets in like a very like professor like you know we were living in part of brooklyn park slope if you guys don't know park slope it's like very gentrified and you know like everybody's like woke and you know like font what's whatever that's where we're living it was a nice neighborhood good for families and so this woman gets on and she's like looking at the baby right and i could feel jasmine being like don't look at my fucking baby <laughs> right i could just feel it and i'm like holy shit and we were on the 11th floor and i'm like this elevator cannot get to the lobby quick enough like i i i and i and i'm like just like just get down and so she's looking at the baby and then looking at us and like it would judge like a judgy look and i was like you know like just like smiling trying to be nice i was like hi how are you and then jasmine's just like staring like at her like and you know and then finally this woman says she goes how old's the baby 
how old is your child? And I was like, oh, she's six months. Have a great day. It's, you know, she's a beautiful child. We love her so much. Six months. And then she goes, hmm. She goes, isn't she a little old for a pacifier? <laughs> and then I swear to God, I see Jasmine close her eyes and I've never seen this before. And I didn't even know like that this worked. She pressed Jasmine, pulled the emergency stop oh, on the shit. elevator with me, my baby and Jasmine and this woman on the elevator. And she goes, what the fuck did you just say to me and my baby? <laughs> and she goes, and the woman goes, um, I'm just saying it's a little old for a pacifier. I'm just saying that she's a little old to have a pacifier. And she goes, why don't you mind your fucking business before I put a pacifier in your mouth, bitch? And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, guys, guys, guys. I was like, stop, stop, stop. I was like, there's no reason to fight right now. Let's just get to the lobby. Everything's fine. And then the woman was like, the woman was like, you need to handle your woman. To, to me and then ja and I was like it's it's okay like I was like I was like it's okay no problem I was like everything's fine and then Jasmine turns to me she goes why are you talking to this bitch and I was she was like you got you fucking like this woman I was like no I'm just trying to get us to the lobby and so everybody and then we get to the lobby and the thing is if you pull it at one of those emergency exits emergency breaks I'm sure it's the same in any city but like the fire department immediately gets called like there's no they just get a call direct to the like that is a 911 emergency so we get down to the lobby and the fire trucks are pulling in <laughs> and so we're walking out and then the fireman he goes uh what is everybody okay and I said yeah I said well you know um there was like an, an emergency exit pull and they said who pulled the exit button and I said uh you know again not being a rat I said uh, and then Jasmine popped up she goes I did and she goes, why? He goes, why did you pull the emergency exit? He goes, and she said, the, w the woman was like kind of walking a little bit ahead. He go she goes, because this bitch right here told me that my daughter is too old to have a pacifier. <laughs> and the FDNY is like an old school New York guy. This is like, you know, gentrification. You have like people not from New York living with people from New York. But the FDNY, NYP, those are all old school New Yorkers. And the guy goes, uh, he goes, you know, it's a $500 ticket for just, you know, pulling that and calling us, you know, without a real emergency. And she was like, well, what do you want? You know, I'm sorry. And then he goes, nah, he goes, fuck it. He goes, I fucking hate these people. The fire department, he goes, I fucking hate these fucking people. They need to mind their fucking business, right? I said, yeah. He goes, no ticket, fuck it, have a good day. He goes, I should give her the ticket for being a bitch. And I was like, yeah. I was like, you should. And then I remember that, leaving that day, and Jasmine, you know, just being like, um, just mad at me for the rest of the day because I talked to, like, another woman. <laughs> um... That's great. That, that story eerily reminds me of times when my girl has <clears throat> mouthed off in ways that just straight put both of us in danger. Yep. Like, don't do that. You know, yeah. there's nothing good to come out of mouthing off at somebody. You just... Just shut up. Yeah. You know, like, uh, because because women women think because women they, the they think up. that men like like then I have to like defend right. your honor. But I'm I it's nice to be in a relationship with someone like my woman's not expecting that of me. Like I can't I'm not the guy that even like knows how to like build anything or do anything. So like, you know, she's the one that like puts up sheetrock and shit like that. So Yeah. How many times has that happened with you? I've only heard once in New Orleans. I haven't. That New Orleans was a major one. You almost got into like a brawl. It was. It was. It was like a, a pretty scary looking street person, and like I forget what the what it was, but it was like you know maybe like walk by and brush shoulders. Shoulder. She's like, "Are you gonna apologize or what?" or something like that, and it's just like 
And and the guy turns around and he's like, huh? She's like, yeah, yeah, what, yeah, what now or something? And oh. she's and, and the guy says to her, he says, you talking like that is dangerous for your man. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And I'm like, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, I don't even know if I remember that right. I just that that's the gist of it. Yeah. And, and there's there's just been like a couple other ones. But she's that, she's down to fight. Like she's probably been in a couple fights in her life. I'm yeah, sure. It's just counterproductive. You know, like there's certain times when engaging with confrontation has zero upside and significant downside potential. Yeah, like I I noticed like there was a couple of times where like a girl would like comment on like a a post or something on Instagram and I remember I saw once like girl commented like like just hearts or something like that and then Jasmine commented right below try it bitch (laughs) (laughs) like in public (laughs) yeah I mean that's kind of cool though it's kind of cool you know like you know like or if she thinks if anything at all like you know she's just that's the thing it's like at times it's like you know you think like being with a jealous woman is like uh, but it's like it's kind of like fun it makes you feel like oh shit this this girl will fucking kill somebody and it sounds like to an extent like you get to be the good cop and she does the bad cop that's yeah it's convenient it's convenient yeah i mean you know like the kids are not scared of me at all they are scared of her (laughs) that's good yeah have you been able to find that balance since you had that that breakdown on bert's podcast have you been able to find that balance between family life and work easy it was not a breakdown it was he was emoting in a healthy way for sure (laughs) <laughs> yes. Have you been able to find that uh, like a, a healthier balance? Yes. Health- He's got his kids with them on tour. Is that right? Uh, they've come on some. Well, now that they're in actual, they're in school, so not this time. But I had these dates that I'm doing now through the end of the year were already on the schedule. But the news, you know, after after that, there was already like planned. But you know, if you notice, like on the, my schedule, like February second and third are the last dates, Nashville and DC, and then I'm. You know, from that, all of 2024, the plan is to do maybe one weekend a month or, you know, just take time off and just like be in New York because, um, you know, it's uh, you don't want to. I actually had Andrew Dice Clay on my podcast and he's amazing to talk to because of like, you know, he's got like this unshakable confidence. Like he is just like all like dice he's like you know i knew he said straight up on my pot he was like i always knew that i was going to be andrew dice clay and he said the same andrew dice he said you know andrew dice clay sold out the garden and then 10 years later was doing like bananas comedy club in hasbrook heights new jersey inside a holiday and express off the side of the highway he's like when i looked in the mirror i saw the same andrew dice clay both times i never i just fucking do it and so you think like he's just about him right and that's what you would think with dice but then he started talking about his kids and he was like, I took 10 years in my career away from comedy because I just wanted to raise my kids. He goes, and even when I went back on tour, I made Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, our weekends. And I would take them bowling and I would take them to Applebee's and do stuff that normal dads do with their kids on the weekends. I knew I had to work. So I made Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday really count. He was like, so that's what you should do rather than taking all this time off he was like, just make it count when you're there with your kids and you'll be all right. And they'll be happy and you'll be happy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Mm. Sweet. Yeah. So, Dice Man. 
You ever met, meet Dice Clay or know I, Dice Clay? I, I have. Yeah. I, like uh, with um, Tom Green is a mm -hmm. good buddy of mine, and he and Dice are, are super close. Dude, he's, Dice is, is is so fucking, as soon as he walks in, like, you know, it's 2023. Like, you got to be careful with how you talk to people. And, like, as soon as he walked in, like, one of the girls who works on my shows, like, you know, very attractive girl in her 30s. He goes, oh, look at her. He goes, if this is 1989, I'd be putting it right in a pig pie. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be bent over getting it in the pig pie. Oh, goosh. Jesus, know, But it's like somebody says that to you, and, like, even her, you know, she was, like, 30 years old, like, you know, woke kind of girl. She was, like, laughing. She's like, this is, like, crazy. You're like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and um, how did uh, that that episode perform with Dice? Dice, I haven't. It hasn't come out yet. Oh, okay, gotcha. It won't come out. I think it'll come out next week. But I've gotten to the point now too where I used to be heavy on like how is this going to do the yeah. know, even guess the algorithm. I don't. Not that I don't care because this is a business and you you know it's careers. But I'm like I'd rather just dedicate an hour to two hours of my life to talk to people that I just want to talk to whether it's going to help the show or not right right Man. you know like I think we're all starting to feel that like we're all like the podcasting it's becoming like like Colin Quinn is like a mentor of mine and he's been in the game 35 years and he's like you know the difference between your generation and his gen my generation Colin's generation is like it's like you know we only had one outlet stand-up comedy and we would only do it once a night or on the weekends, he goes, you guys are talking for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours being funny every week between your Instagram and your podcast and whatever else you're doing goes. And then by the time you do stand up, it's like you've said everything, you've purged everything, you're exhausted. He was like, you guys, I'm telling you, it's like one, one of the two is going to give out the podcasting or the stand-up, you can't keep that up. It's not It's not going to work. And I was like, that's interesting because I think it's a lot of us that I'm talking to are starting to feel that with podcasting. And I'm like, the way that it works for me now is rather than just talking to someone for a business thing, I'm like, I just want to talk to them because I want to talk to them and right. do the passion, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, I like that a lot. I, I'm still gripped with fear by the idea that any podcast won't perform. <laughs> I get it. No, listen, I get it. I get it. And it's like, it hurts when, you know, things don't do well or you don't sell. But at the, in the, at the end of the day, sometimes I'm like, well, what does it all matter? Right. If you can just kind of pull out the perspective, be less micro, more macro and think, hey, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, you know, big, like just keep chugging along. Yeah. Just keep doing it. And then, you know, just keep, uh, you know, you got to be careful, too, because I think sometimes when things are really good, like I heard this quote once from Machiavelli, not Tupac, the real Machiavelli. I heard a quote. He said, um, men desire novelty so much that people who are doing good wish for a change as much as people who are doing badly. And I was like, oh, shit that's a good one because it's like sometimes you have everything and you're like I want to switch it up but it's really just because you're like you want to change and now you could fuck your whole shit up you know yeah. you gotta be careful yeah it's like the talking heads quote uh, <laughs> never for money always for love yes yeah. Yeah. Oprah. I remember I was I had mono and my mom had gout in her foot and it was like 8th grade and we were all banged up I was, dad I had, punched you yeah. for having yeah I had fucking mono and like all this shit my mom's toe she was like King Henry VIII and we were um, watching TV and I saw Oprah um, was on, maybe it was Dr. Phil she was on, but I heard her say, and I don't know why it got like etched in my mind. She said, the money always comes second, the passion first, the money second. And if you follow that rule, you'll always be okay. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. it's true. I, I think that that really checks out, man. Yep. Like, the, like you were talking about 
you know, going for your dreams and the people who love you the most are the ones that will really not support you and, and yeah. following your dreams. And that, that resonates so much with me because when I was dropping out of the University of Miami in 1993 and mm. telling everybody, it's going to be great. I'm going to videotape crazy shit with the home video camera and I'm going to become a famous stuntman. Yeah. Like everybody legitimately felt sorry for me right yeah, like, yeah. it was just tragic in what's, their view like what a tragedy what's a good great thing about you that i even struggle with i don't have this you knew from an early age exactly what you wanted to do and exactly what you wanted to be you had a very clear cut See, it seems at least from the outside looking in, like I know exactly the vision of what I want because it's a niche thing to say I want to be the great stuntman. It's like not many people are, you know, everybody wants to be a fucking athlete or a, a general comedian or an actor. But you're like, no, no, I want specifically that. And you took it to the top. But cool. you did not have that as a kid. Like you did not know that you wanted to be a comedian. No, I did not. I, I'm t I still don't know that I want to be a comedian. I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing this because I had those two specific goals to write a sitcom about my father and to perform at Madison Square Garden. And you got Madison Square Gardens. Theater, I did the yeah. theater at Madison Square Garden, not the arena. Right, that's I'm going still 5,000 seats. Yeah, and I did, well, the good news, I had done Radio City the night before. So it was 5,000 seats Friday, 5,000 seats Saturday. Yeah. So when you get 10,000 cumulatively, now you're kind of like knocking at the door of the real yeah. garden. So I Ooh. haven't gotten any info on it yet, but I know my agent's like pushing. So if I could get that goal, um, and then my, uh, if I got those two goals, I, I don't know. I don't know like where my mind would go if that happened, what I would even have to try to come up with new goals or maybe feel complete. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. I, I, uh, was I, a sitcom it, that man. didn't get picked up. Was that about your father? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That, that I illegally put that on my YouTube at christycomedy.com uh, or youtube.com slash christycomedy. You can see that I've illegally put my unaired CBS pilot <laughs> up there. I put it three years ago in the middle of the pandemic. They were like, Oh, this will be a $5 million lawsuit. They've never said anything. So it's just up there. Watch it. Um, Chaz Palminteri played my father. Um, you know, from a Bronx tale and, um, and it was awesome, but you know, I want to try it again. That, that didn't get on the air, but I learned that was a good learning lesson. Cause that was a year of my life making that pilot for CBS where like, you know, they're introducing you to like Ray Romano and Kevin James and you think you're going to be the next guy. And, and then it gets all, all doesn't work. And I was like, oh, at first I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I failed. But then I was like, oh, no, it was about like the journey. Like all life is, like, that's what it's about. The journey. Like I was like, look at all these people I met. Look at these opportunities I had. It was never really about making the show. It was like about just getting the opportunity to go along on the journey of it all. Um, and then if I wouldn't have, if I would have got that sitcom, I would have never started podcasting. So I can't say that it was like a full failure. Like it sucked right. in the moment that I didn't get it. But then I was like, oh, it motivated me to be like, well, I got a little kid. My daughter was like a year old at the time. I was like, I got to fucking make money for her. So I got on that podcast. I am uh, compelled to watch that pilot on your YouTube it's channel. It's a real shithole. It's a real shitter. It All really right. sucks. I'm, <laughs> I'm in khakis. I mean, that was the first thing Colin Quinn said. He goes, what the fuck are you doing with this show? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, why are you in khakis? I was like, because they said that that's what people in Iowa wanted to see is, is people in khakis and yellow and blue sweatshirts because they think it makes them think of the University of Michigan and that's the audience. He was like, you're stupid. On the exact quote, Colin Quinn was standing on West 4th Street. He goes, you're a stupid fuck. And then he took a bite of a Sicilian pizza and walked away from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 
I I, uh, I still I still want to watch, watch it. it. Yeah. Uh, YouTube.com slash Christie Comedy. That's where all my stuff is at. Podcast, everything's there. The, the unaired Google CBS unaired pilot. It's there at the bottom somewhere, and it's it's good. It's uh well it's 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 so bad it's good. There you go. Yeah. It's like Sharknado. Yes. 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 <clears throat> watch that shit and and people get on stevo.com to support my bucket list. Do it. Do it. Just fucking do this it. Guy dude. dropped out of University of Miami for you. <laughs> yeah, just do it. <laughs> That's right. And dude, like, uh, I appreciate you, man. I meant everything I said. That, Thank you. That uh, you know, like, a thoughtful guy, a, a considerate guy, generous guy. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and I really like the way you text. Yes, sir. I'll continue to text you. And now, now that I've seen your painted dick, <laughs> you're gonna. Uh, I'm fired up. Dude, I love it, man. Love Thank it, man. You. Thank oh, you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it, man. There we go, man. Can that guy tell a story or what? And I, I, I meant every word I said about him. Thoughtful, articulate, responsive. Just a good guy. A good guy who I'm rooting for. And man, I'm rooting for you too. I'm rooting for you to have a blast watching The Bucket List tonight. Steve-O's Bucket List. And if you're watching this or listening to this like a day after it came out, Good news. You can watch the bucket list right now. Ah, oh, so exciting. So exciting. So watch it. Let me know what you thought. I know you're going to think it's the craziest thing ever because it is. It's the craziest shit I've ever done. And, um, man, tell your friends about how fucking crazy and awesome it was, too. It's a big day for me today. Thank you for being here. I love you.